This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. This episode's coming out on April Fool's Day, but I just wanted to give a quick disclaimer that this is not an April Fool's Day episode. Although I would recommend picking up the Peninsula Pulse newspaper and checking out the Repulse insert this week. It's a lot of fun to make and uh, full of really fun stories for people to check out if you're feeling goofy on this April 1st. With that out of the way, my name is Andrew Clyden. Welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I am joined today by Sarah Lancaster, arts and entertainment editor for The Pulse. How's it going, Sarah? It's going really well. How are you? I'm doing well. Not super stoked about the weather. Not uh, not enjoying the, the winter snow back because last time we talked, it was melting and we were getting prepared to bring our bikes out I and know. to get out in our vegetable gardens and all that kind of stuff. And uh, uh-oh, can't do that. Happy snowstorm, right? <laughs> yeah, so it uh, came down, I think, on Wednesday, and it's still there, and that's disappointing. I'm okay with, like, I'm okay with a late March snow if it doesn't stick. Yes. But I don't like that it's still there. That doesn't bode well. We were getting, like, I don't know if we got up to 60, but we were getting pretty warm. There were a few days there where it was really nice and felt like maybe, just maybe spring was on its way. So it's just one of those March, came in like a lion, went out like a lion. Yeah, I, I love how... When it gets to like 40 or 45, us Midwesterners are like, woo, put on the shorts, get outside, get out on the (laughs) boat. February of 2019, we went to Disney World and we just escaped a blizzard. Like we were supposed to leave in the morning. We ended up leaving closer to 10 o'clock at night because we were basically delayed, delayed, delayed. Then on the tarmac for three hours and finally they were like, okay, we're just going to go. And we went and we escaped the blizzard. We got to Florida and it was in like the mid 60s and everyone apologized. They were like, oh, I'm so sorry. It's cold. And we were like, this is not. <laughs> Meanwhile, everybody from the Midwest is busting out the tank tops. Yeah, and- <laughs> we were like, this is fantastic. There's no need to apologize. I wouldn't want it to be hot at Disney World. Right. Like, so it, <laughs> it's good. This time of year is always fun because we remember just how strange. Or I guess you could call us, we're hardy stock. We exactly. get out there. I like to believe that. With that being said, uh, we talked a little bit about gardening and getting out there. And it's not a great time to do that right now. But you did put together an article on what you can do right now. I did, And yes. uh, my, my wife has been doing this. And so I'm glad that you kind of jumped in there. We have had about 100 red solo cups of pea shoots sitting on our counter for a couple of months and an additional 100 sitting on our dining room table and just waiting to go out in the ground, but they can't do that yet. So no, not quite. Walk me through some of some of your expertise. What did okay. you what did you write about this? Well, week? I don't know that I'd call myself an expertise when it comes to veggie gardens. I've had them, but I'm still learning in that respect. Um, you grow things in the ground. It's the same thing. I right? grow things, I grow flowers, and then there's some crossover. But then there's there's a few different things too. Um, yeah, you just can't eat flowers. Well, some some you can. Okay. Okay. So I'll take your that'll word. That'll be for a whole it. other episode. We can do edible flowers. So. Okay, great. <laughs> but for this one, I wanted to talk about a kitchen garden and just what that difference is between a kitchen garden and a vegetable garden, especially with people wanting to maybe produce more of their foods. You've got grocery prices that are rising and just wanting to help with that situation, maybe keep things a little bit more budget friendly, but then also just it's a fun project to do 
by yourself, if you have kids, if you have grandkids. And so with a kitchen garden, what I learned is that is actually a garden that you are going to keep closer to the house than, say, your regular vegetable garden. And that's because it's the place where you're going to run out the door to grab a few things that you need for whatever you're preparing inside. So whether it's some lettuce for a salad, maybe a few tomatoes for a sandwich, that sort of thing. And then with that, I talked with a few master gardeners who walked me through when to plant from seed and when you're just better off purchasing some of those already started plants, which is something I've done in the past with being so busy with the flower farm. Seeds for vegetables are usually the last thing I think of. And then it's time to get them in the ground and I don't have time to start them from seed. So I'll purchase a few plants and we'll go that route. Sure. Is that like a a work required thing? Are some things like it takes a little bit more effort to get it going, so it's better to buy it already started. And some is just like, oh, you put it in the dirt and it takes care of itself kind of thing. It depends. So what I learned is there are some things that benefit from being seeded in the ground right away and others, because they have a longer growing season than what we can offer them here in Wisconsin, are better off being started by maybe some of those starter plants. So things that you would want to either start ahead of time inside or by the starter plants would be like your tomatoes, your peppers, melons. If you're going to attempt doing that, I've never had success with growing cantaloupe and watermelons just because of the growing season. Um, but those are all things that really benefit maybe from a little bit of a jump start. Things that you can put into the ground right away, your cucumbers, uh, your carrots, your beans, those are things that you can probably plant from seed pretty easily. Just watch the soil temperature. So cucumbers are going to want it warmer. Carrots are going to want it a little bit cooler. So quick sidebar, I got into an argument with my wife about cucumbers because I think that there is a difference between cucumbers, pickles, and pickled cucumbers. Thoughts? Hmm. I know fundamentally a pickle is a pickled cucumber, but I think that there's an in-between state. Okay, explain that one to me. Where the cucumber is still soft, like a cucumber, but sour, like a pickle, but not fully umamied, like a pickle. So you're thinking more like maybe refrigerator pickles where they don't get like... Nope, that's a pickle. No, that's still that's a pickle. pickle. Okay. I, I don't remember what we were eating, but I was like, I really don't like the pickled cucumbers on here. And she was like, you mean pickles? And I was like, no, no, no. They're like a step before fully pickles. Because <laughs> they were still kind of like, what color is a, a pickle? Kind of looks like a cucumber to me. Well, it's green. It's green, right? And yeah. what color is a cucumber? Green. Well, inside. More of a white. White or blue. Yeah. I think of yeah. cucumbers as yeah. kind of being bluish. This was still bluish. So I called it a pickled cucumber. I... Email me at Andrew at P-Pulse if I'm right. <laughs> if I'm wrong, don't email me. In the meantime, I think we should have a testing here in the office where you can bring in, you know, a cucumber, what you are calling a pickled cucumber, and then a pickle. Yeah, it takes an amount of time to turn a cucumber into a pickle, right? Let's say it takes 10 days. Sure. If you do it for four days, what is that? What is that? Is it a pickled mm-hmm. cucumber? I don't know. The jury might be out on that one. Well, there you go. I mean, if you put cucumbers <laughs> in water... Right? It doesn't become cucumber water. But it does. No, because it's not made of cucumbers. There's just cucumbers <laughs> in it. It has a, a hint it's of a cucumber. It's flavored. Right. So if you just pickle a cucumber for a little bit, it's just a little, a hint of pickle. The semantics of pickling foods. Right. Because if you have like pickled <laughs> onions, you wouldn't call those pickles. Well, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Yeah, they just have, a, a, they have a, a flavor. Yes. And imagine that, but a cucumber. But it's okay. not a full pickle. All right. I want you to bring them in. 
Bring, bring some men to the office. I don't remember <laughs> where I, why, why we got into this conversation or this argument with my wife. But if I if I ever have it again, I will. All right. I will blast I want it all over. Sampled. Front page of the newspaper: pickled cucumbers. Are they pickles? Okay. So a kitchen garden is this similar, or can you combine it with like an herb garden? Yeah, and actually combining it with an herb garden. This was some additional information that I wasn't able to work into the actual story, but kind of a fun little tangent to it is a lot of times certain herbs can benefit the garden because they ward off certain insects and pests. So there's a whole other topic we could dive into as far as the companion planting when it comes to planting certain herbs with certain vegetables to just create a better environment in the garden overall. Where's the best place to put your kitchen garden? Because my wife would argue that it's on the front step, and that's not my favorite place <laughs> for it. So wh- where would you recommend? You want to place it where it's going to get the most light during the day. Okay, um, so, so that's one point for my wife. <laughs> and so with that, that leads into one of the master gardeners that I spoke with. She's had a new property this year, so she's really not doing a whole lot to put a garden in the ground because she's still getting a feel for that property of how the light falls, where it's going to get the most light. And so what she's doing is actually doing a lot of container gardening and putting things in things that she can move around the yard. And so if she's noticing maybe where she thought would be the place for the garden isn't getting the light that it needs, she can shift that over. So that's an option, too, for people. Yeah, I figured that the other big consideration is ease of access. You want to be able to just pop out, grab what you need while you're making dinner, pop back in. Because I was going to say, if you need light, put it up on the roof. Well, and a lot of people do in urban settings. Rooftop gardens are, are really big in cities. Right. So there's an option. But I was just saying, you know, if you need light out here... Pop it right up on the roof, although not as easy to get to. Not as easy to get to, for sure. So here's my two tips as somebody who doesn't do this but just observes my wife do this. Those pea shoots that she has Mm -hmm. in those solo cups, they were looking a little sad last week, starting to fall over. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, do you need to water them? And she was like, no, they just are getting too tall, Mm -hmm. and they they need something to, like, grab onto because apparently they – like if you look at their vines, they spin around and look for something to get. If you've ever right. seen a time lapse, it's really cool because mm-hmm. they'll just spin and spin and spin until they find something to grab and then they'll grow up it that way. So she went to the store and she bought a bunch of kebab skewers, oh, sure. put those in, and then all of a sudden, whoop, all there the pea are. shoots are standing up again. So that's one tip. Uh, if your pea shoots are looking sad, get some kebab skewers. Tip number two, let's say all of this sounds too difficult for you, though it doesn't seem like it is at all. And you just want to go to the store and buy your herbs out of that plastic container, you know, right in the front of mm-hmm. the, the section. And you use a little bit and then you put it back in your fridge and like four days later, they're all, they've all gone bad. And it's like, oh, what a waste. I just used a little bit. Now I need some more, but I have to go get more because they're bad. Here's a tip that I saw on TikTok. After you use the herbs for whatever you're going to do, take the leftovers and dice them up fine, put them in an ice cube tray, and then fill each cube with olive oil or vegetable oil, whichever you prefer. Then every time you need something, just pop that cube down on the pan and it will melt and create a little olive oil herb infusion that you can cook with. Fantastic. So that's a good way to stretch your investment in those store-bought herbs. Yep. Anything else on the the kitchen garden? Any last tips that you you want to mention to people? Well, I think the other thing is when it comes to planning a kitchen garden, the biggest takeaway, I think, is plant what you eat. So don't get sidetracked by some really cool looking seeds. I always say it's, it's fine to pick maybe one or two different things to experiment with, something that you're not 
used to growing or eating or preparing. But for the most part, for the most success, you want to stick to the things that you know your family's going to eat, that you know how to prepare. And that way you're just more likely to use it. And it's more exciting when you're able to go out there and, you know, grab that tomato that you're really looking forward to or, you know, have a salad that's completely from your garden. And I would follow that with also take note of which things are maybe a little bit more labor intensive where it's probably just worth buying them at the store. If you want to grow them just purely for the fun of growing them, great. But sometimes you're better off if you're doing a garden from a budgetary standpoint to just purchase the things that are less expensive at the store and grow the things that you really want to grow. Right. I think that buying what you eat or or planting what you eat is super important, especially for like the first couple of years. Because if you go and you're like, oh, here's a starter pack of these five different vegetables that are easy to plant, but you don't eat three of them, you're going to be disappointed in how many of your vegetables rot out there. And it's going to be discouraging for your first year. But if you've got like two or three years of doing this under your belt and you've just been very simple, then it's like, oh, now I can experiment. Yeah, now it's more fun. And hey, this is year three. One of the things I planted, I didn't really like. That's not as discouraging as like, oh, I failed at my first time doing this. I don't want to do it again kind of thing. And I don't know what it is. I always find that there's a certain crop that just doesn't do well one season. And it can be something that I've grown in the past. I don't know if there's any truth to this or not, but I know even in talking with my mom about gardening, she'll say, oh, you know, it was just a bad year for peppers. I couldn't get any peppers. Same here. I just couldn't get them to grow. And so I don't know if there's any truth to that whatsoever, if it's all in my head, but I think sometimes, you know, you just, you're working with nature, you're working with weather, not everything's going to go as planned. Yeah. I think it's planned obsolescence by big seed. They're like, (laughs) oh man, pepper's bad. Well, we came out with peppers too this year. (laughs) So make sure you're upgrading. Upgrade those seeds. So you got your kitchen garden, you're full of vegetables, got a ton of healthy energy. How are we going to use that energy? Well, I hear there's a half marathon and a 5K coming up here in about five weeks. So I don't have that way. much energy, Sarah. <laughs> I just ate a couple vegetables. I don't think I'm ready for the whole half marathon. When is the half marathon coming up? Half marathon and the 5K, they're both on May 7th. So Saturday, May 7th, moving it back to the spring schedule. So that'll be exciting. I feel like I just ran a half marathon in October. We did just run a half marathon. And now we got to do it again in May. Yep, it's already up and upon us. So, all right, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are very excited about that turnaround. I, I think so. I mean, there's benefits to fall running and spring running, but I think just the fact that we're back on schedule, it's just kind of a, a nice big sigh of relief for people, just wanting things to feel normal again. Right. Well, and it's cool that like if the half marathon in October was like your last big run of the year. And then this one is now your Kick first it off again. big run of the year. Absolutely. I think that that's a cool way to bookend it. Not that that's the plan moving forward, but, you know, it'll be nice to have it back in the spring, you know, back in Peninsula State Park yeah. as things are starting to bloom and everything like that. So this week you put together uh, a little bit of a primer on kind of getting ready for something like that, doing some cross training and, and getting your body ready to do the first big run of the year, right? Yes. A lot of times, you know, winter, especially for training for a spring marathon, when you live in a climate like we do, it can be tough to get all those miles in. And, you know, weather permitting, it's a lot of running on a treadmill, which has its pros and cons. So I put together a piece about cross-training was the initial idea, but then took it one step further and talked about the difference between what is called cross-training and what is supplemental training and how both of those can just help you as an athlete overall, but specifically when you're training for a bigger event like this. So what is the difference between cross-training and supplemental training? Okay, so cross-training is going to be anything 
that is fairly similar in movement, workout, and the muscle groups that are used to your primary activity. So in this case, running would be the primary activity. You're cross-training, cycling, um, maybe using an elliptical during the winter months, some cross-country skiing, anything that's engaging similar muscle groups would be your cross-training activities. Wait a minute. So you're telling me that if I need to run, I should cycle instead? Not instead. Okay. In addition to, you never want to replace the primary. But let's say most training plans come with a cross-training day. So maybe one or two days out of the week, you're replacing that run with one of these cross-training activities. Or on a day that you're just feeling particularly off, just a little sluggish, you know, not really feeling like going out for that run, it's okay to occasionally fill in with one of those activities instead. But you still want to be logging those miles. Okay, because I was getting excited for a second that I could go to the Y, <laughs> jump into the, the basketball game, and they'd be like, oh, I didn't know you play basketball. It's like, no, I play a lot of basketball video games. It's cross-training. <laughs> it's cross-training, yeah, it's the right. same, Similar, but different. Not, yeah, not, not quite. Okay, um, what's the one where you just go, like, push heavy stuff around outside? So, like, weight training? Or what do you mean? You know, where you just pull on big ropes and stuff. Oh, so that would be more like a supplemental training. So supplemental training would be anything that's going to strengthen muscles, improve mobility, improve flexibility. So that could be like your ropes course. That could be a regular, you know, hitting the weights at the gym. It could be yoga. It could be Pilates. It could be if you've used those exercise bands before for strengthening. Any of those activities would be like your supplemental. So it's in addition to it's going to enhance your current training. Okay, because the type of exercise that I want to do is the, you know, throw tires up over my head, pull on big ropes, that kind of stuff. You need to get into like a gladiator race. That's what you need to do. Run into things, tackle things. (laughs) You know, I see a lot of people doing that as they're training for like movies, like actors will do that kind of strength training. Right. That's what I want to do. But I don't know where to find tires and big ropes. Oh, maybe that's a new Pacer event. Welcome to the Door County Tires and Big Ropes event. (laughs) All right, so uh, we're doing our our cross-training, our supplemental training. Any, like, last tips that you have for people as they're prepping for the marathon? Well, I think it's important to to work that in. From the trainers that I spoke with, you know, even if you haven't made it a part of your training up to this point, we still have five weeks to go, it's really a good idea to add that in, especially as you start to taper. And so taper is something that runners will do as they approach a race day and where they're backing off on their mileage just to give the muscles a little bit of time to recover and just take a little bit of a breather before having to perform in that race. So really, you know, doing things that are going to strengthen um, the flexibility, like yoga is just great for that sort of thing to just get you into that space, it's going to benefit it. And really, it, it helps keep training fresh. It can it can get really boring out there pretty quickly when you're just logging miles. So to have these things to break it up and keep it fun, it's a good time. Yeah, it's good to know about the tapering period because I've been tapering all year. So I should be like ready to you're go. You're ready to roll. I think so. <laughs> uh, anything else on the half marathon or on, on getting ready for it before we take our break? Just, you know, I think there's still room to sign up. So if you are looking to run a 5K, run a half marathon, enjoy some beautiful Door County scenery. In my personal opinion, I think it is one of the prettiest half marathon courses I have ever run. It's Yeah, you get to go through Peninsula State Peninsula Park. Peninsula State Park. It's a, it's a great amount of challenge with being completely intimidating. It's really well run. It's also the first day of the year that everything gets really nice. Like it always has it been. Seems to be. It's yeah. really gross every day until then. And then all of a sudden everything the sun comes up. out and it's beautiful. Yep. So I would encourage you to head on over 
and register if you are so inclined to join us and have some fun. All right, let's take a break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about a, a new series that you're embarking on about kind of spring cleaning for the mind, body, and soul. So not necessarily getting your space ready, but getting yourself ready for That's spring right. and summer. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring. For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. Okay, we are back. It is springtime, although it doesn't seem like it is when you look outside. No, not yet. But with springtime comes, I guess, renewed vigor for chores? Is that? I don't know. I've never been a... As, as I, I was going to say, I've never been a spring cleaner, but I totally am. When spring comes around, I'm like, oh, let's get outside and move boxes right? around. Yeah. It, I guess you just use winter as an excuse not to do anything. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Or it's like your excuse to do all the things inside that you've been putting off for months. Or at least I think that's probably my excuse. And then suddenly it's like, oh, it's nice out. Let's open the windows. Like, what was it last week? We had that 50 degree day and... I'm telling my husband, oh, let's open the windows. And he's like, well, you need to turn off the heat before you can do that. So, I mean, you're still running the heat, but there's that urge to open the windows and let spring in. Is that where spring cleaning comes from? The fact that, like, before we had air conditioning and heating, you had to keep the house airtight to keep the, the warmth of the fire in. Well, maybe. I and then now springtime, you open everything up and sweep things and sweep out. sweep it out. It might be. But That I, makes a lot of sense. I did learn that it's you know, next to like New Year's, it's one of the most popular times for people to set goals to, you know, kind of like you said, clean out everything, set all these big plans um, for getting organized. And really, when you like look back at like Chinese medicine, and you look back at like the other Eastern cultures and, and medicines, there is something about that season of rebirth where spring is just one of those times for renewing your mind, renewing your body, renewing your spirit. So, Well, instead of cleaning my house, because inevitably I will disappoint myself in setting those goals, you put together some lists for spring cleaning yourself and kind of detoxing the mind, body, and spirit. And I think that's more attainable for me because I can work on me easier than I can work on house, it feels. So walk me through some of your tips for this week. Sure. So for this week, we kicked off the spring cleaning series by focusing just on on ourselves and like I said, our health. And so for this week, I looked at reducing our sugar intake. I was talking with a nutritionist and just, you know, what are what are some of the easiest attainable ways people can improve their health? Like I'm not looking for any drastic diet, not looking for any drastic life change, just simple stuff that we overlook that really, if we just put a little bit of effort into it, we would be feeling so much better. And she said, really, it's it's sugar because it's it's in everything. We consume way more than we realize we're consuming just because it is in everything. And she said, you know, really just cutting back on a few things that we may eat over the course of a week that are the culprits with that hidden sugar can make us feel really great. Right, especially added sugar. Added because sugar. Because you're going to get natural sugars in fruits and everything has yes, sugar in yes. it. Yes, I should specify this was specifically talking about added sugar. So, you know, she pointed out to me that a – 
any adult can of Coke has the equivalent of added sugar for the average male. And then for females, it's about three teaspoons less than that. So one Coke for your average woman, and you've already gone over your allotment for added sugar for the day. Right. So women can't drink Coke anymore. Men can drink one Coke a day. But that's, that's about all. it. That's all you get. <laughs> and you got to make sure there's no added sugar in anything else you drink. That's right. And, eat. you know, the thing is, when you say like an eight ounce can of Coke, that's that's the mini. That, those are the mini cans. That's, that's not a, the yeah. standard can of Coke that most of us are consuming. All right. So, gentlemen, you can still drink your one tiny Coke a day. <laughs> but that's it. That's all you get. You get that and some veggies. But I think, yeah, and on top, yeah, that and some veggies. But even with the veggies, if you're putting salad dressing on any of those veggies, those are some of the areas where Jean Krebs, the nutritionist that I was speaking with, she was saying that there's there's a hidden source of sugar in so many of those different foods. So your condiments like salad dressings, ketchup, all of those. Um, and then, you know, the, the standard culprits that you would think, like your desserts and things that are fun to eat. So. So quick sidebar, and then I want to get back to this because I do have some things to say about soda and sugar. But you mentioned salad dressing, and I have not just once, but uh, several times in my life gone through the salad bar and accidentally scooped pudding onto my salad (laughs) because they put pudding in the same thing they put the dressing in. Which they really shouldn't. Right. And, you know, in bad lighting, ranch dressing and vanilla pudding can look very similar. Especially when you have like a pizza bar and then at the end they have one thing of salad, two things of dressing and one thing of pudding. So it's like, oh, what's this this third dressing? Oh, it's pudding. It's pudding. Right. So (laughs) two questions. Number one, would you rather would you rather accidentally take a bite of salad with pudding on it or accidentally scoop a spoonful of dressing into your mouth thinking it's pudding? I think a spoonful of dressing. Really? I really do. Only, I don't know. It's still one of those, like, have you ever had it where you're taking a drink of something? And, like, for me, it's like, I think I'm drinking water, but it's lemonade or something like that. And it completely throws you for a second. I think just because of the combination that would make it, like, a harsher clash of flavors and expectations than if I were to just take the spoonful of salad dressing. I think think I I disagree because there'd be less pudding that you would get as it's spread over a salad. And you'd be like, you would still get the salad in there and you'd be like, oh, this is weird. That was pudding. (laughs) Whereas if I'm about to take a bite of what I think is going to be cool, refreshing, sweet vanilla pudding. Pudding. And and I get spicy. Ranch dressing. Ranch dressing. (laughs) I would, I think I'd die immediately. Okay. So question number two, this dressing problem that we have, I, I think it's a crisis. And I think that there's an easy way to fix it. Just swap the names of dressing and pudding. So to make it a thing that you just put pudding on your salad? No, no, no. <laughs> you wouldn't put you like if I was like, I'd like the salad with ranch pudding on it as well. You would never ever mm, say that at no, a restaurant. You wouldn't. You'd be like, Can I get a salad? What kind of pudding would you like on it? I wouldn't like any pudding on it actually. I'll just have the salad. But if they're like, And what would you like for your dressing? That sounds light and mm. like a, a fancy additive that you could oh, I'll just have a little bit of Italian dressing. So we just need to change the vocabulary and we yes, could it totally would fix it. change our health habits. Right. And it would boost pudding as well because afterwards it would be like, And for dessert, <laughs> would you like a vanilla dressing? Yes, I would. I would like a vanilla dressing for dessert. See where you're going with that. See? Okay, let's get back to it. I'm going to admit something weird on the podcast. So I cut soda out of my diet a long time ago because one of my friends, like we would go to a restaurant and they would be like, 
do you want a Pepsi? And you'd be like, oh no, I don't drink soda. And I was like, that's really cool. That's cool to be able to be like, I don't drink soda. Cause like before that I drank soda every day. It was just part of, you just drink mm -hmm. soda. But then he was like, I don't do that. And I was like, oh, that's very counterculture. And I'm a teenager and I want to not do that too. So I started not doing it and it was actually pretty easy to do. And I've I just don't drink soda anymore. I'll drink soda occasionally. Like I'll have a root beer every once in a while. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's pretty easy to cut soda out of your diet. And it does have big effects because soda is probably the number one source of added sugar that you're getting in your diet oh, sure. if you're drinking soda and every day. And it's so day. easy to, to consume. Right. I would say that like dropping beer and dropping soda are the two big things people can do. And soda is way easier than beer. I would agree. I would agree with that 100%. My husband actually stopped drinking soda recently just just to make I think just one of those small little achievable changes. I'm I'm not quite there so I will I will tease him sometimes when I reach for that soda but I it's probably not any better but I have a vice for you know, diet coke. And so I haven't quite given that up but one thing I did find when I did give up all soda, diet, sugar or otherwise for a while for me, a lot of times it was just craving the carbonation. And so that's where I found swapping it out with a carbonated water, a flavored water, was a trick that, you know, if I really wanted that sensation of drinking a soda, but didn't necessarily want a soda, that did the trick. So it's finding right. little things like that, too, as you're cutting out these foods that have the hidden added sugar in them and just being mindful of the labels as you're, as you're shopping and finding little ways to swap things out so it's it doesn't feel like you're depriving yourself right it's interesting too once you cut soda out of your diet because if you drink soda every day you don't notice any of the weird effects that it's having on you but if you don't drink it for like let's say a month and then you drink soda again and all of a sudden your cheeks get flush and your eyes water and you burp you're like this isn't normal <laughs> i don't do this i don't do this with any other thing i consume why, why am i having this? yeah so it that that can be another good motivator right is take a break for a month and have a soda again and watch your body be like oh this see, is poison see what what happens no, and, and I think that was the point of the whole series. And as it continues, it's not necessarily to, you know, tell people they need to make these drastic, wild changes in their lives, but really just what are some small areas that you might tweak a little bit here and there and see if you get any benefit out of it. If right. if you read the added sugar story and you're like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with my sugar and I don't want to change a thing, that's great. Maybe something in the next installment of the series will pique your interest and, and you'll be like, you know what, that's really where I could use a little bit of change in my life. Right. And I think everybody wants to improve themselves, but too often we will try to do sweeping reform. Let's change yes. everything. New Year's, I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to do that. And that's by, why so many fail. Right. I'm going to diet. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to do all of this stuff. I'm going to get my life together. It's too much. So little things, little improvements that you can make. Dropping soda was really easy for me. It may be harder for, for other people, but that's a little improvement that mm -hmm. you can make. And if you start slow with those small things, eventually, instead of doing 15 things all at once, maybe do one thing every couple of months for a year. And then by the end of it, hey, I made it. I've done all the 15 things I wanted to do. And I didn't fail because I didn't try to do them all at the same time cold right. turkey. Right, right. Sarah, is there anything else for this week that you want people to know about anything uh, that, that you wrote or that you learned? Well, I also included a, it's not 
all inclusive by any means. Um, we probably could devote a whole issue or at least the whole A&E section to that. But in the palette section did kind of do a rundown of some of the places that are reopening in April and when you can expect to see some of your favorite restaurants opening back up. So I know I'm really excited for that. I hope other people are too. Yep, we are. We are definitely getting there. March again is like people think of the winter as the slow season in Door County. I think March is the slow season. It's when everybody kind of leaves for a little bit. I would agree. And I think you kind of get those waves of people as they come in for spring break, depending on when their spring break falls. But it is. It's it's kind of a it's an interesting time. It's a little bit slower. I think for the businesses, it's kind of that frenzied, we need to get ready. So you, you are definitely feeling that a little bit in the air. But as far as the actual activity taking place, you know, for for the public, yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a slower time. Yeah. And the places that are open year round sometimes tend to take a week off in March to just have a vacation and then come back in and start doing that prep that you're talking about for the summer season. Right. Uh, March is kind of that time where it's like, all right, I was open all year long. I'm going to take two weeks just to refresh everything yep. and then we'll get back to it for the summer season. So it's April now and most things will be open by June. So over the next two months, you're going to see every weekend. A lot of activity. Mm -hmm. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on and Absolutely. chatting with me. I definitely want people to pick up this week's issue of the Peninsula Pulse, specifically for the April Fool's section. It was it's a lot so of fun, fun to put together. Don't take it too seriously, as all April Fool's you know content is meant to be funny and silly. So we hope you enjoy that and hope you enjoy the rest of the content in the paper as well. There's a, a great spread on the Lighthouse tours that are coming up. So people should definitely check that out. Get tickets at DoorCountyTickets.com. A lot going on. It's getting exciting, Sarah. It is. Looking forward to it. All right. Thank you so much. And we will talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out DoorCountyPulse.com slash shop, where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.